climbing out of an old century and into a new one, there are so many parallels to what was happening in 1900 as to 2000 as to 2020 and how those struggles and those success stories and even those failures bring life to a work that echoes through the ages. Welcome to Beyond the Fourth Wall. I'm Lindy. And I'm Joseph. The Fourth Wall, that invisible magical bridge between actors and audience. For the last year, we've been looking out beyond our fourth wall to see how theater skills are life skills. And now we want you to join us on the other side of the curtain. Our productions are returning, and we're taking you behind the scenes as we chat with cast, creative teams, and alumni with an occasional tap number for good measure. So welcome to the Lex fam and get ready to go beyond the fourth wall. It's time for our season series on Beyond the Fourth Wall. As we gear up for our 2022 season of shows, we're taking you behind the scenes to meet the incredible theater artists that are bringing these stories to life. Up first, Patrick O'Neill, the director and choreographer for our upcoming production of Chicago. Patrick has worked on Broadway and across the country as a director, choreographer, educator, and storyteller and we've loved having him teach with our artist development program. In this episode, Patrick talks about discovering Chicago in his formative years, returning to the vaudevillian roots of the show, and the importance of bringing all voices to light on stage. Let's get to know Patrick O'Neill. Patrick O'Neill, welcome back to Beyond the Fourth Wall for your second episode with us. So glad to see you. It's like Cheers, where everybody knows your name. (laughs) So wonderful to have you back. Of course, if anybody listening hasn't heard the first episode of Patrick O'Neill's Brilliance, he was our second guest uh, when we first started the podcast. So you're looking for season one, episode two. Patrick O'Neill, we hear all about the backstory. I'm pretty sure it was a cassette tape of, was it Cats? Cats. Am I remembering this? That that started it all? Yeah, 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 yeah. But today we're talking about all kinds of things. Of course, we'll touch on your background and, and all of your wonderful credits and that sort of thing. But what we're really excited about is a chance for our audience to get to know the team and the cast of our um, incredible summer productions that we're getting ready to put on here in 2022. And you are directing and choreographing our summer production of Chicago this summer. We are so excited. It feels like this has been three years in the making because we were in talks and getting ready for this, you know, all the way back in 2019. We announced that we were going to be doing Chicago in 2020. And then, of course, the pandemic hit. We've been waiting for two years um, to get this back on its feet. And so it just feels like I can't, I almost can't believe I'm pinching myself that it's actually real, that it's actually Really about to happen. How are you feeling about it? Look, third time's the charm, right? We, it, it's it's got to stick at some point. Thankfully, here we are. Here we are. That's right. Well, I want to touch on just a few 
things on the journey sort of to Chicago in many, many different capacities. So first of all, of course, everybody go back and listen to that first episode. But remind everybody a little bit about your history with Chicago. You've done this show before. This is going to be your new iteration of it. But tell everybody a little bit about how you came to be a part of the Chicago legacy. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's so funny because just before I joined you today, I'm a two-time guest, long-time listener, and I just listened to Nathan's episode that dropped this week. And it was so funny because it's it really is the, the, the reality of the situation for all of us is that no matter how far you get in this business, you always were a 13-year-old that was obsessed with something, and Chicago was kind of it for me. I mean, I think, you know, back in the day, we had these things called VHSs. Uh, you, have to, you, might have, you might have to Google them to find out what exactly they were. On Broadway, we do the Today Show. We do The View. We do the... And whenever anything would be on, I would run to, you know, the VHS and hit record. I actually have the tapes. They're like in a box somewhere in storage in my apartment here. And Chicago was it. I mean, it was like a slap in the face because we, you know, you go to school, you do the Music Man, you do the Oklahomas, you do the 42nd Streets. And then all of a sudden, B.B. North is coming out of the floor in like a little black dress and to like blaring trumpets. And you're like, I don't know what happened today, but I don't think the rest of my life is ever going to be the same. <laughs> and so I was a huge fan and lived my life accordingly and was lucky enough to do the show on the road. And the Chicago is really the reason you and I are talking today, because while I loved my time there, it was the first time in my adult life I was sitting in a show and I heard a little voice in the back of my head going, what else do you want to conquer? And I was in Cleveland in, you know, spandex and mesh in the dark. And that is really what led to a conversation that started me assisting, that started me writing, that started me directing and choreographing. So Chicago has been a very, very interesting, integral part of my career and my development as an artist from the time I was a teenager until today. I love that. I mean, I, there's so many shows that I remember loving as a kid. And then when you get the chance to work on it in any capacity, it's just a dream. It's an absolute dream. Well, and then let's talk about another piece of this story, which I know we've talked about in some of the classes that you and I have taught together in the artist development program. Because one of the things we talk about with our young artists is empowering them to step into what they want to do and presenting that to the world. And in our world, it's often a digital presence, be that a website or an Instagram profile or whatnot. But I love the story of how this exact project came together. You know, and Patrick and I have known each other since our days in New York. We used to take acting class together at the Jen Waldman studio. We worked together at a chorus line and we kind of, you know, lost touch a little bit when Jeremy and I moved back to Kentucky. And when we were looking at doing Chicago, I just happened to see what's my friend Patrick O'Neill up to these days and typed in your name into the Google search and to see if I could find anything about you. And am I right? It was like literal days after the debut of your new website. Like we could count the hours. <laughs> and what I loved when I came to the website was, of course, there were like beautiful pictures of your work and, you know, all the credits and like all the typical things that you expect to see on a, on a website. But what 
spoke to my heart was that you led with your why and that so much of what you do is education focused and paying it forward and cultivating a safe space for young artists to work. And I was just like, well, this feels like a match made in heaven, even though I already knew it would have been from our friendship. But just seeing it, like seeing it, wow, this is really where he's taken his work in the last however many years it had been since we had talked to each other. So I love that story. And it just it feels like this little sort of, you know miracle moment that we we found each other again. I'm so grateful. And then you said yes to coming, which was very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you're the poster child for for the reach out and the ask. I mean, the stories that you have about Karen Ziemba and, you know, coming to d- debut the company. I mean, it's just you you are the one who teaches all of us to leap and the net will appear. So we, we've all learned from you, Lindy Franklin Smith. But, you know, the website thing is so funny because it's it's, you know, I always say, life is a series of happy accidents because nothing I've ever done in, especially when you're talking about work in my career has ever been planned. It's all been a a complete accident and nobody gets into this business to make money. I mean, if you were, you'd be crazy, but you do get into this business to be successful. Like there is this singular American problem that we have where we have to be louder, faster, bigger, funnier, uh, you know, no matter what we do. And while I think that's that that's an inherently in all of us, if you get the big house and you're sitting in it all by yourself, then what's the point of the big house? So I think we've all been raised by the right people artistically. I, I mean, I know we have, and I know the people that you cultivate and curate are as well. You need to find the people who want to make the impact and want to focus on the work as opposed to the outcome. I mean, process over product. 100%. 100%. And what I've loved too is, you know, we've talked about that this project is three years in the making. When everything happened in 2020 and we realized we had to postpone the season, I remember calling you and saying, Patrick, you know, we're there's no way we're going to be doing uh, shows this summer. But what do you think about teaching? What do you think about spending time with us in our artist development program? And again, you said yes again, which I was like pinching myself that you said yes. We talk about the silver linings of the pandemic. And this has been a terribly difficult and crazy challenging time for so many people. But one of the sort of silver linings for us, I think, along the way is that even though it's taken us three years to get you to Kentucky physically (laughs) to actually direct this production... (laughs) In the meantime, um, we've been able to work with so many young artists together. You also have been private coaching some of our students as well. So it's like it almost we got to almost magnify the time. Um, So it hasn't really felt like we've been we've been waiting, but it's we've been practicing patience, as Jen Waldman would say, practicing patience regarding the production and spending this time in a really fruitful way. And I've just had a blast getting to work with you for even longer than I probably would have in the first place, which is pretty cool. Oh, totally. 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 That's the thing, right? Like you you, you talk about coming to teach for you or you talk about, you know, employment or you talk about all of the, but it's at the end of the day, those 18 months that we spent together digitally with the next generation of theater makers artistically and spiritually got me through the pandemic to this point to have a place and a space to come. And ironically, they came to us 
for affirmation and answers and explanations. But at the end of the day, watching them navigate at a very, very young age, this crazy seismic time gave me faith in the future of the business, but also gave me pride in our community and hope that this will be the way forward out of this. 100%. And it's also been so fun to watch now that, you know, we're starting to come out of things and things are come, you know, the industry's coming back and folks are moving back to New York, you know, but what has been so fun has been watching some of these young artists who met on Zoom in our program and they're now like meeting for the first time in person in New York. You know, some of them are like rooming together or, you know, or they come and they like meet up at auditions and they'll send me pictures sometimes and they're like, look, we're to like, we're actually together live and in person. And like the relationships that have, you know, really sort of fostered through all of this, it's just been, it's really been quite a magical time. So thank you for being with us. Hey, any party you throw, I will be there. Well, speaking of parties, let's talk about the party that is going to be happening this summer on stage at the Lexington Opera House for this production of Chicago. I am so excited. The orchestra is going to be on stage. We've been working on the design of this beautiful bandstand. This will be the first time we've ever gotten to have our full orchestra on stage with us for a production, so I'm super excited about that. I know we've talked just in the, you know, in the audition process and as we've been casting about the sort of new spin that you want to put on the piece as a as a director choreographer which I'm thrilled about. So, why don't you share a little bit with our listeners kind of about your vision? Like what can audiences expect? from this production, the Lexington Theatre Company's production of Chicago. The show is so brilliant, and the history of the show is so interesting because it was eclipsed originally by a little show um, that you know quite well called Chorus Line. And so it didn't get the recognition it deserved initially. The production we know in New York is based on the Encores presentation, which is a seasonal festival in New York that they bring back shows that didn't quite have the life that they deserved initially and present them almost unapologetically as we kind of resurrect the past to see if there is a voice for it in the future. And so we are so familiar with the costumes and the smoke and the, the, the bandstand and, you know, coming out of this time where we've all been really examining the value of artists in society, you can't ignore the style that inherently exists with a show like this. You can't ignore the intrinsic American dialogue that happens about clawing your way to the top and getting ahead and corruption in politics, perhaps. But what really makes me want to get out of bed in the morning is examine the how this affects our community today. And so where the show began, it was initially subtitled A Musical Vaudeville. So I went back to a lot of writings from the turn of the last century as vaudeville was exploding. And what I have found and learned is that the great American melting pot was personified in the theatrical environment before Broadway as we know it. And the accessibility to various races, socioeconomic backgrounds, and even talent levels is celebrated and illuminated by this little enclave of American entertainment called vaudeville. And so coming out of this time of raucous 
change and calls for social justice and the examination of how we do theater. A lot of the subtext in this production we're building together is circling back to the initial intent of vaudeville and how it, just like everything America promised in the beginning, did in the best possible way allow a vehicle and a voice to people who were not necessarily guaranteed that right outside of the theater. So fascinating. How do you see that kind of translating to stylistically, like how you plan to present the material? So if if folks are used to sort of seeing so many people have seen the version that's on Broadway or that's touring, you know, what will be different visually? What will be different? You know, what kinds of things can they look for? Well, I, we hope to really amplify this idea about what happens on stage and what happens off stage. We've learned a lot over um, through social media about the visibility and accessibility of entertainers, of movie stars, of sports figures. And we only see the best of things. And I think what's really important is to use this show and that wonderful original subtitle of a musical vaudeville to really examine and amplify what we show, what we see, and what the climb actually feels like, what the fight actually feels like. And the thing that's really, I'm, as you know, I'm hyper-passionate about is the role of the ensemble in the American musical. We're so conditioned to just go five, six, seven, eight and see everyone arrive for this big kind of key change chorus number. With the show like Chicago, there's a full company on stage of individuals and personalities and experiences that even though the camera of the narrative is not on them 100% of the time, climbing out of an old century and into a new one there are so many parallels to what was happening in 1900 as to 2000 as to 2020 and how those struggles and those success stories and even those failures bring life to a work that echoes through the ages. Fantastic. Oh, I'm getting so excited. So excited. Well, and I want to just go back to what you were saying about you know, the ensemble being individuals and having their own voices being heard. And I can't help but think of Bob Fosse when you talk about that, who's the original choreographer of this piece. But that was one of the things he was so passionate about, too, was making sure that the ensemble was a group of individuals and and was not just sort of a mass of a chorus of, of singers and dancers. So how are you influenced by the work of Bob Fosse. Will, will we see a little Fosse style? I, I know it won't be his steps. It'll be your steps. But will we see some influence there? Well, what's crazy is um, I think we have to. I think it would be rude not to. But I also think that what's amazing is um, I think we've both learned as we've tripped down the path, you know, all of those people who are dancing on those VHSs, I've had the good fortune to go back and now work with three quarters of them. Being a heartbeat away from that original company of that revival, and then those people having danced with Bob Fosse on other projects before that. And then also we have this uh, this incredibly successful uh, storytelling um, masterpiece that Rob Marshall made on film. And, you know, as we were kind of 
setting down in New York. Rob Marshall was making that transition to Hollywood. He was so influential. His athletic style, his, the way he kind of used dance and all of these shows I saw as I was coming to be a young professional is also influential to me. So to kind of pay homage to both of those visionaries is tipping the hat to what came before us. But again, I mean, I, I said this, I think the last time we spoke on this this podcast together is I can have all the ideas in the world, but as we we find the brilliant storytellers to collaborate with, they are really the ones who elevate it to a level that makes what we're going to do special. Mm, agreed. Collaboration is my favorite part of what we do. I mean, from the actors that you'll be working hand in hand with in the rehearsal room to the musicians who I'm so excited to see how they are interwoven into the story being a visual piece. Let's talk about that for a minute. I mean, we're we're building this great bandstand where you're going to have that synergy of the musicians literally sharing that same playing space with the actors and the dancers and the singers what what can we expect from that that visual collaboration well i think what's so great about you know this idea of having everyone together it, there's there's a lot the hair on my arm starts to stand up when i think about it after the long pause we've all had or as tara rubin calls it our great intermission so that in and of itself i think is thrilling but part of what I, I, I hope to explore and achieve is this idea of, you know, when you are doing eight shows a week on Broadway and you have a bad day or you have your taxes done and you're not getting as much money back as you think, or, you know, your, your, your radiator is leaking and you have to run and go to the theater. A thousand things can happen. But as soon as the music hits and the lights come on, we have a job to do. And what I love about the way that this show is structured is these stories we're telling are slightly um, more dramatic than a bad tax return or um, a radiator leak. <laughs> but when we see the orchestra, when we hear the voices singing, when the, the, the rhythm moves people to dance, hiding truth and showing what people really want is what makes the American musical vibrate. And so I think that having that idea of musicians, of having dancers, of having singers, of having actors in this give and take of reality and drama and this musical vaudeville creates an incredible opportunity, an incredible mixture of storytelling. Well, and as you're talking about all of this, this sort of, you know, really taking a look back at the at the vaudevillian roots of this story, the musicians and the give and take. And I also keep thinking about how beautiful this is going to be inside the Lexington Opera House, which is an historic vaudeville theater. I mean, this is where Harry Houdini played. There's so many great uh, stories of the players of vaudeville that, that actually tread the boards of this very theater where we're going to be doing this production. So I think that is just going to be thrilling to watch unfold. I had this, I had no idea. I had no idea about that. Yes. That's very, very, very exciting. It's so, it's, it will have to have Luann Franklin, who is my mom, who uh, can tell you all of the history of this theater. We'll have to make sure that that 
that happens. Day one. Day one. It, it'll it'll be in the air. I feel like it'll just you know the the history. So that will be super cool. Super cool. And look, I mean, the other thing, too, is, uh, you know, uh, honoring the past and honoring where we all came from. The American musical came from this idea of vaudeville. And um, it was a way out for so many. It was a way out of poverty. It was a way into society for immigrants. It was a way for people to be seen as equals in any other, that any other environment would never have permitted these people to commingle. And so I think especially being able to do a show like this anywhere outside of New York is a great reminder of the work that has happened and the work that still needs to be done. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. Well, Patrick O'Neill, I am counting the days until we have you live and in person, finally, in Lexington, Kentucky, after three long years of planning this production. And I just cannot wait to watch you work with our incredible young artists and the Broadway uh, season performers that are going to be with us as well. I, it's going to be just tremendous. I know our audiences are going to have the best time uh, watching this production. So thank you for being here today to talk about this. And thank you for all that you do to uh, bring your wonderful talents to the Lexington Theater Company. Oh my gosh, are you kidding? Oh my gosh, it's a pleasure. And I'll see you at Graders for an ice cream after rehearsal. Sounds perfect. See you then. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Patrick. The Lex is back on stage in 2022 with single tickets now on sale for our summer productions of Disney's The Little Mermaid and Chicago. For information about tickets or to find out more about the Lexington Theatre Company, visit our website, lexingtontheatrecompany.org, and follow us on social media at the Lex Theatre Co. Mm-hmm.